Welcome to Bourbon Beards and Belvedere's. I'm Adam. And I'm Paul. Jerry is on vacation this week. So in his stead, we have a great, great guest. Um, we have Anthony from Lit Bearded. How are you doing, Anthony? I'm awesome, fellas. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, can't wait to talk about your beard products. You know, we've had them on the show in the past, but uh, we we liked them so much, we just had to get you on. Um, so before we get to... Uh, get to any of that we're going to start with our palate warmers um i know that anthony i believe you're you're starting out with the whiskey of the week so um or or did you get a a different one whiskey of the week no i've got the the whiskey of the week okay so go ahead and uh go ahead and and throw that out there for us tell us what we're going to be drinking for the whiskey of the week and uh what you're warming up your palate with if you don't mind sure so we're rocking this one. I have never tried this before, but it is a Willet bourbon. Uh, this big old, like what drew me into it, obviously the bottle stuck out. And I was like, ooh, what's that? I asked a couple of my buddies that have tried this and they were like, yeah, it's a solid one. So I picked it up uh, truly as like an opportunity to kind of crack this with you. I just broke the label and poured it. So the first time I ever even try this is going to be with you guys. All right. So that is... um. That is the pot still bourbon is what Anthony was holding up. And that's it's called pot still because that's actually the shape of their doubler that they that they use at the distillery. It, it's an old school pot still that they used to that was in production there for a while, but they've since moved on to a column still and they use that old pot still as a doubler. You can find pictures of it online. It's huge. It's it's really cool. Um so uh Paul, what did you decide to go with for your uh, palette warmer there well sticking with the willet theme i'm going with some johnny drum mm -hmm. i'll probably kill this bottle off today it's just the very end of it but haven't had it in a while and so uh figure we'll go side by side with a couple different willet mash bills well shit fire guys i didn't bring any willet uh any a second bottle of willet down here with me i did bring my pot still for the uh, whiskey of the week here in a little bit but um i went with old trusty wild turkey 101 because it was there and I like it. So uh, this was this was my first love. Got a lot of stories that I can only halfway remember, but they're still there. Um and this is this is just a a good, solid, trusty bourbon. So um I'm sure Anthony, you've probably had wild turkey in your lifetime, I would assume. Indeed. So <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so so um while we're drinking this and before we get to um before we get to the whiskey of the week um tell us a little bit about yourself um you know your where you're from uh your military history um how that sure. part into um you know beard oils beard products in general um give us a little rundown sure. if you don't mind sure so uh like you said my name is anthony and i'm with lit beard company um based here in wisconsin so i live in southeastern wisconsin for those of you that are Somewhat familiar with the geography, southeastern Wisconsin, about 45 minutes north of Milwaukee, about an hour and a half, two hours north of Chicago. Uh, so it's a chilly day today. Uh, I can see you got football going in the background. Absolute pack of fan. It's basically like you're born in Wisconsin with, you know, like a cheese head, right? Um, so born and raised here in Wisconsin, uh, married, two small children, um, you know, like four-year-old and 11-year-old, they like to help me with Lit Beard Company, and we can talk about that in a minute. Uh, but when I was a freshman in college, uh, 2001, 
first week of college, 9-11 attacks happen. And that was kind of like the final straw for me to join the military. I thought about it a lot when I was in high school. I'd even gone and spoken to a recruiter, worst recruiter of all time. Instead of talking to me about like the guns I'd shoot, uh, the countries I'd go to, you know, chicks I'd meet, stuff like that. Basically, it was just like, we're going to grind you into the dirt. And as like a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, it's like, eh, you know, I'll go I'll go be an idiot without having to get ground into the dirt, right? So it kind of pushed that off. But first week of college, you know, first, second week of college, 9-11 attacks happened, and that was it. So I finished my freshman year of college, and uh, I enlisted. And I started, I kind of had this plan where I wanted to finish my degree. So I was going to start by joining just like the National Guard and being like, cool, let me go. Let me get that experience. Let me get my degree. I'll knock it out. So I enlisted in the Guard as an infantryman. So I went to Fort Benning, Georgia um, to go through and, you know, become an infantryman. And then I was right about to start my kind of like two weeks a year, you know, one week in a month, two weeks a year thing. And uh, the Iraq war started when I was in basic training. And so National Guard mobilizations were happening all the time. Well, instead of waiting for my unit to be mobilized, I volunteered. So I volunteered and I went overseas with a, a brigade out of Louisiana and we were stationed at Camp Liberty in Baghdad in 2004. So started in Kuwait, drove up to uh, Baghdad. It was like a, I don't know, three or four day trip. And then what did I do while I was there? Um, we would do everything from um, if our battalion commander wanted to go out and, you know, had meetings or wanted to go check out on what the different companies were doing out in the AO, we would provide his security. Otherwise, we could go out and do um, searches, we could do presence patrols, we could do basically anything kind of standard infantry stuff. Did that in 04 and 05, came home. And um, I don't know, I was kind of like a young man, right? So I went back to work, I went back, you know, did a little bit of school. Um, I had been married for only about a month before I went to Iraq. So I was trying to reconnect with my wife. But um, I volunteered again, man. So I volunteered to go back in 2007, and that time I was stationed about 45 minutes north of Baghdad in a place called Balad, in a very different set of circumstances. So this was during a time, if you guys recall, they, they called it the surge. So the surge was, we're putting way more um, soldiers into Iraq, really trying to stabilize everything. Well, what I did on my second deployment was what's known as convoy escort. So there'd be military contractors that'd be through and they'd be delivering anything from ice to mail to ammo to helicopter parts or anything you can imagine. And they would need military escorts all around the country. So my second deployment, I did convoy escort. So I went as far north as Tikrit, as far south as back to Kuwait, uh, and then east and west, places in Anbar province, places in uh, Diala province. So kind of east and west of Baghdad, kind of this big diamond. Um, and then I got out in 2008. I came home from that deployment and my enlistment was up. Um, and then I started kind of working for veterans. I worked at a nonprofit that helped veterans if they were homeless or had drug and alcohol problems. I finished my degree. And then I just kind of found myself wondering what to do next. And in that job of working with um, veterans, um, I made a good friend, Tom. Uh, he was also an Iraq vet. And he and I embarked on a journey that was pretty unique. We ended up walking across the country. We walked from Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to Los Angeles, California. It took about five months. 
we rucked that. Um, sleep outside, sleep in hotels, sleep in strangers' homes, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it took to get us across the country. And we did that to do three things. Help ourselves because when we came home from Iraq and started kind of helping other veterans and stuff, we never really took any time to help the issues that were affecting us. We didn't take any time to help ourselves. So he and I did that for each other as we walked across the country. We also wanted uh, wanted to raise awareness of the issues impacting veterans and their families um, when they're leaving military service and trying to reintegrate. And then we wanted to try to raise some money for a nonprofit in Milwaukee that helped veterans. Um, And so we did that. Um, And that's kind of where I think when we get into the beard oil stuff, you'll notice if you ever uh, that walk across the country was memorialized in a documentary called Almost Sunrise, which can be seen on Amazon Prime. Um, You can look up clips on YouTube. But one thing that you'll see in that is this mindfulness and meditation that helps veterans and their families um, deal with stress, anxiety, addiction, really the host of issues that kind of keep you um, from being able to reintegrate in a healthy way. And that organization that teaches that is known as Project Welcome Home Troops. And you will see that in that documentary. Well, to tie that into the beard side, we started Lit Beard Company, $1 from every sale is donated to Project Welcome Home Troops. I really think it's important to help veterans and their families. I really think it's important to make it part of the mission, not an, oh, and by the way, we also do this, but to literally bake it into everything we do. And so me and my Bearded idiot friends, we've been able to donate about twenty five thousand bucks so far, which I think is great as a uh, as a small business. And this year we set a goal of ten thousand dollars for this year alone, which um, was it hasn't been matched yet because we haven't achieved it yet. But I think that we will. But that um, bid or that claim or that promise was then matched by a business here in Wisconsin known as Carbless, which is kind of like a vodka based cocktail. Uh, drink, but I served in Iraq with the founder of that company. And he was like, Anthony, if you can hit 10,000 bucks this year, I'll match it. So that's kind of me, you know, like who I am, where I live, my general, you know, military history, and just a little intro into uh, the beard side. But it's been fantastic so far. I get to meet cool guys like you. I get to take things that I'm passionate about and uh, try to help people along the way, which is something that's important to me. Well, that's, um, you know, that's, that's something that's really important to us as well. Um, helping, helping veterans in any way that we can, we try to promote veteran owned businesses. We try to, um, you know, talk about, uh, charities that help veterans, um, you know, anything that we can, um, I've come across some really cool, um, charities, uh, one for instance, which makes sense for this show is called cigars for warriors. Um, folks donate cigars to people that are actively deployed at this particular time. Um, uh, and then there's, you know, um, welcome home troops and, and things like that, which I really, yeah. yeah, which I really, uh, think is cool. And, you know, I, I was, we're, we must be really close in age because I was actually watching, I was skipping my first English class in college when the planes were flying into the towers, I was, I was watching that on the, on the couch instead of going to class, like I should have, which it really wouldn't have mattered. They were going to call classes off by the time I got there anyway. But um, the point remains that we, you know, we, we got to be pretty close in age there. And um, yeah, I turned, I turned 40 uh, earlier this year. Yeah, I did as well. I did as well. Um, So that's, um, 
that's still that's still rough to think about for me. Um, and uh, um, I, my my thanks to folks like yourself and um, others that that were able to serve. Um, sure. for giving up that time, giving up that parts of your life to to go and and um, you know, end or do your best to end shit like that. Anyways, I mean, I you can't say there's an end to it because you still got that bullshit happening. You know, Hamas is is attacking Israel yeah. and. Um, there's only so much that, that can be done. I suppose there's always going to be some asshole out there in the world that's willing to wreck somebody else's day just because they don't, you know, they don't like them for whatever reason. Um, yeah. but still, um, I think it's important that I think it's important though, to always know, like, yeah, there's always going to be those assholes out there that are going to push you and make you, you know, get put into situations you don't want to be a part of. Um, but it's always good that, you know, we still live in a place where, people volunteer to join the military, you know, like they want to serve, they want to do those things. And I think that's a really important thing um, that we have that, you know, that anytime somebody around the world decides that they want to be kind of shitty, we've got good people that are like, you know what, all right, I'm willing to serve to do what I can to try to keep the world safe um, and just make my community and my country better. I think that that's an important thing. And I think the families that support people that do that, they really need to be recognized as well because we generally will recognize like the war fighter, man. But we forget that when we're deployed, there's a lot of people back here making sure that stuff from the dog being fed to the mortgage being paid to the lawn being mowed, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like a lot of things are still happening back here to make sure that sure. we're okay while we're there. Sure. Sure. Um, and another thing that I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily talked about so much, but um, I also think it's important <clears throat> Um, to to recognize that not everybody so if in particular uh the these uh these Hamas not not every Palestinian in the world is an asshole right um I've, mm-hmm. I've got some friends that are that are Palestinian and um just because these assholes are attacking these other people out of nowhere let's 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 not um come down on everybody that is Palestinian or, 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 you know, like I, I just, I feel like, um, I feel like a lot of people get characterized by the actions of a, a, a few bad eggs, but no, for um, sure. Most of those people want the exact same thing that you and I want, right. They want their kids to go to school and get educated and be safe. They want jobs. They just want to be happy and healthy. They live in an, in an environment where not everybody wants that shit. Right. That's exactly right. And you know, I I, I got to say, uh, just living in the, uh, not even necessarily the political environment or, or j- just the environment, the hot, acrid. That's that's got to make just about everybody over there angry all the time. It would make me angry as hell just waking up being hot and sticky every day. <laughs> Word, me so. too. That's why I live in Wisconsin, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I know in the summer months down here in Kentucky, it can get kind of nasty. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, not real happy during that time of the year. Um, it's, it's right now it's, it's comfortable, you know, it's, uh, 60 ish, something like that. Uh, mid fifties. It's kind of nice, but, um, what's chilly as hell here, man. Well, actually chilly (laughs) is the opposite of hell. Like basically the last four days here have been terrible. Um, like they're seasonal, but it's gone from, you know, 60s and 70s down to cold, wet, rainy 40s 
today it's sunny, but it's like a high of 45. So it's definitely getting to be seasonal. The leaves are starting to change color. I'm a deer hunter. So we're only a couple weeks out from kind of the rut kicking off, but a lot of people are out, you know, st- you know, being up in tree stands and hanging out in cornfields looking for some venison. So sure. uh, it's that time of year for sure. So uh, let's um, let's talk about lit. Um, you know, obviously sure. you're, you're giving back to you're giving back to the veteran community and 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 things of that yep. nature. And of course, that's important. But let's talk about how you're able to do that in the first place. So you 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 st- you were looking for uh, you know the next thing after you finished your degree. Sure. Wait, what what is your degree in? Um, I don't think you said. I went. I went. Yeah, I went to college to be a grade six through twelve English teacher. Okay. So I don't care very much for like uh, diagramming sentences. I could give a shit. <laughs> But um, one thing that I did think was important was I always thought that it was interesting having conversations about like themes of books. Not I never cared for like a class where they're like, uh, read these chapters and tell me what happened. I mean, anybody can do that. But I thought it was interesting to like read something and then discuss like, where do you see that still in your community or where do you see that in your life or those themes? Right. Um, so if you're reading something like Shakespeare, uh, one of the tragedies and there's revenge and there's jealousy and there's, you know, violence and whatever. Where do we see those things and how do they play out in your world and start getting people to think more critically? I actually liked it. I like history. So I liked being able to talk about those things. Um, but once I got done with school, I never did it. Um, I My wife and I had our first child as I was graduating and so that's when I started working at that nonprofit that helped veterans uh, and their families. They're, you know, dealing with the issues. Um, but lit, how that started, um, at the end of 2019, I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine, Mike, and he was talking about beard oil and he was thinking about an idea that he was having about, you know, making beard oil and stuff like that. And I had, I had basically been bearded uh, for about a decade. And I tried different things and I, I mean, stuff from Walmart and nobody ever really gifted me anything, but if, you know, you get to those different times of year where your skin gets real dry, especially in the winter when it gets dry out and all of a sudden it's real itchy and you're getting beard dandruff down your shirt. So we started talking about those things and started kind of looking at like, well, how can you make it? What goes into it? And why does it matter what goes into it? And like, what's better? So we kind of started looking around and we got really interested in making our own stuff. And we noticed as we were making it, that it felt better <laughs> than like what we had been using, which was great. Uh, Cause that's also, you know, better than the alternative of like, oh man, this sucks. Uh, but we really liked it. And so we started before we ever even started making sense, we started putting that initial blend of unscented oils in a bottle and giving it to friends and saying, what does this do for you? Do you like it? Does it feel good? Does your beard and skin feel better? And everybody was like, hell yes, it does. So then we started, you know, messing around with fragrances and found some that we liked and started giving those to friends. And they were like, dude, this is phenomenal. And so I think from there, it really just kind of naturally happened that we went from talking about stuff to doing and making, right? I mean, that's generally how those things work, right? Goes from an idea to kind of experimenting, to realizing like, oh shit. And so our oh shit moment was when uh, we started handing these things out and people said, man, I'd buy this. It's like, okay, 
then I think maybe we've got something here. So we started kind of developing that in early 2020. And uh, for those of you that don't remember what was happening in early 2020, there was a global pandemic kicked off. And so we kind of, like most people, didn't really know what was going to happen in the world. And we kind of slowed down a little bit. And I will tell you, that is the biggest mistake uh, that Lit Beard Company has made, which was early in those uh, those moments, kind of slowing down. Don't ever slow down. Just keep, you know, pushing forward. Um, so it kind of threw us off for a couple of months. But we started, um, our first sale was in July of 2020. And dude, I can remember I was pumping my gas and my phone made this weird sound. I had never heard this tone before. And it was the Shopify app notifying me of our first sale. And I was, it was July 3rd of 2020. And we just have not looked back since. So Lit Beard Company really began as just like a conversation um, in a driveway. What it has become is just an awesome company where like, Every quarter, I'm coming out with something new and make wax dip beard oils, uh, kind of inspired by that thing right above your head there, Adam, like that wax dip of Maker's Mark. I wanted something that had that kind of classy look and that classy, original, unique look and feel. Um, and I wanted the experience of opening it and, you know, like to be awesome. Like it's visual, it's tactile. You can feel the wax in the glass, right? It's auditory. It's got a cork. Every one of these comes corked, right? So when you're opening it, you're hearing that uh, as it's popping the smell, the olfactory side, right? So it's really massively important that the experience of Lip Beard Company be more than just like everybody else. Like you can design an oil and put it in a bottle and it'll smell good. Um, but making sure that it's quality, making sure that everything about it is like next level. So I personalize a note in every order. I handwrite a note. I even tell people what song I was listening to. Um, I put things like raffle tickets inside to really um, make it unique. I give away hundreds of dollars in prizes every month, including stuff from other veteran-owned businesses. Um, and then I try to make the sense really unique, things that are um, unique to my culture, to my interests. So like the newest one, Orion, is based on deer hunting, right? Um, but it's also fall. I love fall. So the scents, apple, leather, and vanilla. Um, I'm a huge Metallica fan. Orion is one of my favorite songs by uh, Metallica. So I try to design things that are interesting to me. Um, but lit so far, um, we've shipped, I mean, I would have to venture to say we have shipped to every state in the country. We've shipped to several other countries. Um, and we just keep going, man. I think uh, if you're a fan of Lit Beard Company, you're known as a razor hater. Um, so I love the razor hater community. I really dig it. Um, I love the feedback that we're getting. We've had thousands, thousands of five-star reviews. Like I said, we're approaching our 25,000th order. And so as a small business, I think that we're doing really well. I keep a regular full-time job. Um, so I have a regular 40 plus hour a week job. And then lit to me is another 40 hours. So it is a labor of love. It is something that uh, me and my friends that are involved in it really dig. Um, and I really am excited for where it could go because it just has not slowed down. It has been all gas, no break, fellas. Yeah, and we really like your brand and your products. Um, we've had, thank you, reviewed them on the show before. And all three of us, you know, really, really enjoyed the way you'd be able to beard feels after and uh the scents that i've tried have all been out of the you know oh. knocked it out of the park 
Um, and then yeah, it's just the quality and the attention to detail. I think that you guys put into your products. I mean, there's too many people like you touched on before, just still buying their beard care products from Walmart or from the grocery store. And you, yeah. you know, we preach on the show that you have to get quality base ingredients or you're, yeah, you're, you're going to feel it and you're going to regret it. And it's going to take a few days for your, your face and your beard to recover. If you use some kind of crap off the shelf like that. For sure. And it's like, and it's going to dry out your skin. It's going to dry out your beard. I mean, I think when people talk about beard oil, in many instances, they think about just their beard, right? They don't think about the skin underneath it and how as your beard is growing, regardless, I mean, you've got a massive beard. You're going to forget more about growing a beard than I'm ever going to know. Right. But like, when you're growing your beard, it's drawing all those natural oils out of your skin. And this is, you know, it's feeding your beard. And that's where a lot of that dry, that itchy, that uncomfortable is coming from. It's just your, your hair growing, right? And so beard oil isn't just for the hair on your face. It's for the skin underneath, right? Making sure that that stays healthy and it's feeding your beard with what it needs. Things like beard butters, beard balms, things like that are more for the hair soften, tame, stuff like that. But I think that you hit, you know, I think you hit the biggest point. You've got to put quality stuff in. You can find quality stuff in many places. I mean, I think that there's probably a million places that you could buy good quality products from. But I think the most important thing to consider is can they do it consistently, right? Especially when you're dealing with smaller businesses. Um, I think if they're like me, I still hand make everything, right? I'm still hand pouring every balm. Every bottle of beard oil is still bottled individually. I don't have big machines, nothing like that. Um, I still fragrance them one by one, right? Like I don't have these big mixers or anything. Um, I'm just not at that level yet. But I think that when you're having things mass manufactured, a lot of that personality and what goes into it. And I think a lot of that attention to detail is just taken for granted. So I think that one of the most important things beyond finding good quality products and finding scents that you like is finding businesses that produced consistently good products. And that's why the feedback that we get from, you know, the Razor Hater community, I really appreciate it because it lets us know that we're not overlooking those important details. Um, and like you said, kind of that uniqueness, I mean, even like the wax dip, on this one, Wisco Whiskey. I think it's appropriate that I share Wisco Whiskey, right? Um, inspired by my favorite Wisconsin Supper Club cocktail, an old fashioned, right? I mean, I love them, right? So all these different things with the colors, the logos, the wax, the scent, this one's uh, oak, vanilla, and cherry oak for the, the barrel, right? Vanilla within, you know, the, the whiskey. I like an old fashioned made from whiskey. A lot of people up here, they prefer brandy. I like the whiskey, old fashioned, sweet, right? And then the cherry from that sweet part of, you know, the old fashioned, these things matter. I think good quality, consistency, creativity, all of those things in a business. I think if you can put them all in a bottle, you got a winner, you know? Yep. And that Wisco whiskey, that's, that's been my favorite scent from you guys so far. Um, out of the ones I've tried. Subtly sweet. Yep. I'm a big it's old Subtly fashion. sweet. People yeah. really dig it. Yeah. It's nice. Um, you touched on fragrancing the the oils and the balms and stuff. Can you talk about the process you go through to develop those fragrances and then how you actually add it into the base? Yeah, no sweat. Um, so every scent that Lit Beard Company has, it's, I don't want to sound like ridiculous or whatever, but they're like my kids. Like I put so much care and time into them. Um, we don't white label anything. So we don't have any pre-made scents. I don't buy stuff from a mass manufacturer and then just put my label on it. I don't 
Um, I don't do I don't do anything like that. So when a scent is created, I try to think of something that is first of all important to me because if it's not important to me, I won't have the inspiration, I won't have the passion, I won't have the enthusiasm uh, to get it done. So I try to think of things that are important to me. What is important to me? Uh, my culture, my family, um, you know, the military side, um, all these sorts of things. So if we take something like Wisco whiskey, for instance, so like I said, Wisconsin culture, supper clubs, cocktails, old fashions. So when I was making this one, I wanted to come up with something that was inspired by that. I wasn't interested in trying to make something that smelled like an old fashioned. I didn't want it to like, I didn't want to put whiskey in it, right? Like they didn't make a lot of sense to me, but I wanted things that had like the essence of it. And, you know, so I thought, well, what makes a good old fashioned? Well, good liquor, right? So good whiskey. So what's whiskey, you know, like to me, well, it's the barrel that it goes into. So I wanted something that really was around that. So I started thinking of like, all right, well, <laughs> let's put some sort of wood scent. So you can kind of understand like that methodology, right? Like what are the things that are inspired by this particular theme? Earlier this year, I came out with one called Patriot's Punch, right? So Patriot's Punch, you can see that red wax dip. I was inspired by grilling. It was inspired by barbecuing. It was inspired by the 4th of July and summer. So it's cherry, it's brown sugar, it's hops, and it's black pepper. When I'm out there cooking up a steak, drinking a beer, I got that hops, right? Things like this, like those are the sorts of things. So how do I do it? I create a base, a carrier base. And then I think, all right, which scents are aligned with what I'm trying to make thematically? And then it's truly like more failure than success. I will think, okay, I think I want this one and this one and this one. Ah, those don't smell right together. What if I pull back with this? What if I add a little bit more? When I finally think that I've got something dialed in, I usually get it down to a handful. And then I'll have my wife, my daughters, I'll take stuff to work with me. I'll send it off to customers and I'll say, give me some feedback. What do you think? And I really try to dial it in. But I will tell you, there is no more nervous feeling uh, that I have than when I am releasing a scent. Um, I know you're not going to get a scent that everybody loves every time, but I get so nervous every time I make one because they matter so much to me. And I don't even mean just from a business perspective of, boy, I hope that this one is successful. I'm talking about, like I said, it's like being a kid or like having them be one of my children. I think of what they could be and I hope that they become something and all these different things. You know, I mean, it's really what it is. Um, and so it happens right here. I mean, you're seeing my workbench. I will sit down on my stool after I get orders done and I'll think, okay, what's my next scent need to be? I want it to be something of this theme and I'll really start working on it. One of the earliest scents of this year um, was this one, which is called One, which is inspired by Metallica, like I said. So I'm kind of bookending 2023 with scents inspired by Metallica. But this one, Sandalwood, Spice Cider, I wanted something, this came out in January, that had a little bit of like uh, spiciness to it, a little bit of warmth. Why? Here in Wisconsin during the winter, you're getting cabin fever, fellas. I'm sure you're getting that a little bit down there in Kentucky too, when you're getting into those kind of winter doldrums. So I wanted something that had a little bit of like spice to it. And I was trying to figure out a good theme. I was trying to figure out something that really brought it together. 
and I was listening to Metallica and the song one came up and all of a sudden it was like, Oh, add a little bit more of this, pull back on this. And I, I was able to like lock it in and it just made sense to me that I would attribute it to that song, to that band, to that theme, to that experience. And so sometimes it just kind of happens serendipitously that you stumble into something you didn't know that you were looking for. But that's really what it's like, Paul. I mean, it's a labor of love. It's a lot of failure. It's a lot of add a couple more drops to this and pull back on that. But um, I always appreciate the feedback that people provide because when when they give it to me, I know, okay, this is what I need to do next time. You know, I need to think a little bit more uh, masculine scent as opposed to uh, sweet scent, stuff like that. So I listen to the feedback from customers and then I think about what's important to me and I try to make something that's badass. And so far I've been doing it pretty consistently. Yeah, no, definitely. And just to touch on that, he definitely does put in a personal touch on each one. Um, here's my yeah. box that I got and Cowboys from Hell by Pantera was my song recommendation. So uh, just throwing yeah. that out there. But um, yeah, and so like thing- every time I'm filling orders, I'm rocking out. And that's why I'm saying like, um, I noticed um, maybe only the first hundred or so orders that Lit ever had, I didn't include the song I was listening to. But the first song that I ever shared that I was listening to was The Unforgiven by Metallica. And I started putting that into everything, you know, like whatever song I was listening to. And that has been one of the coolest parts is when people come back and they go, man, I love that band or I love that song or that was my dad's favorite song or like, hey, that's my favorite album of all time. Those sorts of connections, even beyond beard, even beyond the product or whatever, I think is something that makes lit really, really like kick ass. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. No, definitely a cool touch. Um, anything coming up that you have in the works or you're thinking about doing or anything like that that you'd like to share or can share with us? Yeah. So this year has been awesome. I think I've done, um, well, I've done four new beard oil balms uh, and washes. I just released the newest one, Orion. And then uh, Scent Club members, if you're a subscriber, they also get one that they helped uh, me make. And so that's known as the Black Label Series. And so this year, the Black Label Series is one known as Secret Santa. So Secret Santa is cinnamon, pine, and oats scented. That goes in completely free with every new Scent Club member, along with their Orion. Uh, Last year, the Black Label scent was known as The Hangover which was blueberry pancakes, coffee, and bacon, because that was like my hangover cure in college, waking up from maybe a little bit too many bourbons. Um, But things yet this year, so there's a fan favorite known as Naughty List. Uh, I'll show you the label. So it comes out every year, but you can see that label. It's gingerbread and peppermint. It's one gingerbread man basically shanking another one with a... uh, candy cane but that one will be re-released that one's a favorite and this year i'll have soap that goes with it i've never done soap before this year and um i've done three soaps so far this year wisco whiskey soap uh spring break three-way soap and now i'll have naughty list soap so that gingerbread and peppermint that'll come with the uh the release or the re-release of naughty list in early november um i also have um a couple other things in the works as far as um best ofs so one fun fact about the scent club they get voting rights so it's not just that they get all my newest stuff they get to vote on which scents stay or go so later this year i'm going to ask them to help me eliminate five cents or retire them um, from things that i currently have 
just in an effort to try to simplify the lit lineup a little bit. Um, but beyond them helping me with that, there's a couple other things that I'll do. Um, I let them vote on which scents were my best uh, earlier this year. And so they said, well, based on everything, and I mean, there were some that were really close, but this year they said, well, Anthony of all time, Patriots Punch, Wisco Whiskey, this badass one called Tux. It's like, they must like my red wax dipped ones. I've only done two, but they made two of the top three of that uh, Tux. And then the Naughty List label with oil. So one fun thing that I'm going to do yet this year is give you my best in one kit and throw in Naughty List for free. So I've got stuff like that coming, some cool holiday stuff. I've done a couple t-shirts, a couple sweatshirts, things like that. So just really, really fun stuff. And for those of you that drink, uh, you'll notice when we come in here, I've got some like link, uh, some lit drinkware. So if you guys like old fashions and stuff like that, another Wisconsin-based business called Ben Shot, they make some lit drinkware that's got a big old honk and wedge of cheese in it. So if you ever want to have a cocktail, if you're like, I'm not bearded, but I like cocktails, you can always uh, support lit and uh, other Wisconsin-based businesses by getting some drinkware. So it's just some cool stuff yet this year for the holidays and um, cool ways that I think people are going to be able to power their beards. And if they're not bearded or they shave or whatever, I got plenty of options for them from drinkware through soaps, through apparel. I'll definitely be on the lookout for that, um, that uh, best of kit. Um, I personally, I've yep, got the, awesome. the summer s'more, um, the bounty hunter, and then I picked up the Orion. Um, I got the, 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 the full, the, you know, the oil, the, the balm and the wash. Um, and, uh, and I'll be honest, the first time I used it, um, cause I read the scent profile and I was like, this smells, all I did was open it. And I thought this smells like somebody just hit me in the face with a wet, uh, leather shoestring. And, um, and then I tried it and it, and, and I don't know how you did it, but it, as you as it settles in it opens up and the apple and all the rest of that comes out but initially yeah. it is i mean it's you know the leather's very very present and it's it smells great um it's just i wasn't picking up the others until i really used it and then it just it like i said it opened up like a like a whiskey would so it just kind of opened up yeah. and then all those other scents were there and it was i like it i like it a lot um the wash is is really really good um I, i've i've typically stuck to until recently as a matter of fact i didn't use anything other than my body wash to wash my beard um and i've had a beard for a very long time and i've used beard products for a very long time i just never bothered to spring for for washes or anything of that nature and we uh featured a product on here a while back um and it's just a you know it's just a bar of soap so this is really the first beard wash that i've used other than that and i really like it 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 seems to get all the shit out and and leave it smelling really good without drying out my face so that's that's fantastic i love that um one thing i did notice you know looking at the back of the bottle of course it's going to have to be this way with certain products i know that um you know you strive to use all natural products and things of that nature certain things are going to have to have some uh, ingredients in it that aren't naturally occurring or aren't necessarily occurring uh, naturally occurring i guess the better better way to put it um <clears throat> We uh, we brought up in the past about how some companies will put, you know, jojoba oil or they'll put vitamin E or whatever right on the label. 
And then other companies yep. will actually put the scientific name for those products and people will look at it and go, Oh, well, I can't read this. So I, I probably don't want to put that in my beard. Um, what led you to label the ingredients on your labels the way that you did? Um, and so, so in that way, you know, you can, you can see what you're putting into those products yeah. or did you, or did you put any thought into it all? Did you just say, this is what I'm going to put on there? No. Uh, so that's actually a great question. I, I'll be honest with you in all the different discussions I've ever had in something like this, you are the first person to ever ask me about ingredient labeling. <laughs> so to be honest with you, um, a lot of it came as a suggestion from my wife. So my wife had been um, a beautician. Um, so she went through barber cosmetology and stuff like that. And as we were kind of first beginning our labels, um, it was interesting. We didn't really know what to do. So we put exactly what we used. And so even the specific like essential oil or fragrance oils, I would label them out. I mean, I would literally list them out on the label. And my wife started looking at labeling regulations and, um, hey, if you ever wanted to have them in the United States, they can be this way. But if you wanted to ship them overseas, they have to be done this way and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, no kidding. I had no idea about the nuance of um, labeling restrictions. So what I put on there, so like here with like a bottle of beard oil, I mean, I literally say grapeseed oil, hemp seed oil, jojoba, argan, and fragrance, right? Like I just try to say like, it's super basic. Here you go. Um, there isn't a whole lot in there. Things like um, the soap, uh, the bar soap, or um, like, like here, even with the bar soap, I mean, I literally say, Sodium hydroxide, distilled water, coconut oil, shea butter, olive oil, avocado oil, castor oil, fragrance. I try to keep it as simple as possible. The only time that I would get more complex is if I'm buying bases where that's what they're calling it. And then I just want to keep it. Okay, look, if somebody asks me specific about a manufacturing process, I can say, this is what the manufacturer is calling it. So this is what I'm calling it. I will tell you that the biggest theme of ingredient that has been noticeable to me has been people that are concerned that hemp seed oil will make them fail a drug test. They think it's weed or they think it's CBD. And I swear to you, I swear to you, I have had, um, I don't think I can count them on my fingers and toes. The number of people that have reached out to me and said, Love to support you. You use hemp seed oil. Can't do it. I'm a long over the road trucker or I work for the federal government or, you know, whatever. I can't do it. And I'm literally sending them ingredient, you know, kind of like things from manufacturers that say no CBD, no THC, da, da, da. And I'm like, dude, if you melt a cup, you know, fail a UA with this in your beard, it's not because of this. And so I try to be very clear with what's used. Um, that one ingredient has been the thing that has caused me the most back and forth with people where I'm literally taking photos of the ingredients, you know, what I'm getting from when I buy the raw ingredients to show. So I try to be very clear with what's in there. And I try to answer people's questions very quickly if they have any concerns about what I use. But that hemp seed, man, you're not going to fail a drug test. He's in 
you know, lit beard company products. And if it is, it's not, I'm telling you, man, like don't scapegoat me, man. Cause of the hemp seed oil. Well, we, I, I know speaking for myself specifically, I'm sure that this is probably true for Paul and probably for Jerry as well. We've, we've gotten kind of used to um, a certain degree of uh, transparency in the products that we purchase specifically because the laws that surround bourbon are so stringent in this country yeah um you know exactly what you're what you're getting when you buy that bottle um so when it came time to um you know start using these types of products which again like i said i've been doing it for a long time but um especially for this show we really kind of nailed down on that um we'll have a halloween episode coming up here pretty soon where we'll talk about some things that uh kind of got past us um yeah or or maybe uh maybe we used in the past and uh didn't realize what was going on but that's yeah the ingredients are, are definitely something that we try to pay attention to because we don't want to recommend something to somebody that uh we wouldn't put on our own face you know so so i don't know i don't know if you guys can see it but right here as i maybe it's too blurry but as i label my ingredients you can see whisco whiskey like i said my most popular scent ingredients argan oil grapeseed oil hemp uh hemp oil jojoba oil fragrance i mean it's as straightforward as you can be um when i tell you guys too about hemp seed oil causing some issues with people i had a couple uh couple customers that were veterans that were in treatment at the va and i mean i could ship to the va that was fine but the va would confiscate their beard products because of the hemp seed oil that was in it. And so I would literally get emails from them saying, Hey man, uh, they took my shit. <laughs> um, you know, can you send me something that doesn't have hemp seed? And I, I mean, when you talk about trying to be dialed in to what's in it, that was something that was really a, a shock to me, a surprise to me. Um, I actually think it's pretty cool that you guys care about that sort of stuff and pay attention to it, whether it's because of, you know, what goes in a good cigar or what goes in a good bourbon or whatever. I think it's actually pretty neat that you guys talk about that, pay attention to it. Yeah. That was one of the things that, uh, that drew us to your company, um, that, and, you know, veteran owned. And then once we got it, we were pleasantly surprised by the, uh, by the, the products themselves. Like I said, the, the scents are, are fantastic. The, um, it definitely, takes my beer from a, you know, uh, a, a couple notches down from straw to not so much, you know, it softens it up pretty well. It cleans mm -hmm. it up really well. Um, again, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of the sense. I don't know. I don't know that I would understand if you were to lay it out for me exactly how you get those scents, exactly how you get them. But um, for instance, the, the, the summer s'more, like I said, it smells yeah. like a s'more in a bottle and um I mean, it was, it was the only thing that was missing from it was, was the, the smoky in the background. Like it just sure, it smelled sure. like chocolate and marshmallows and, and with some graham on the, on the back end of it. It was really, yep. really great. I love it. Um, so that, that came from my love of, um, so that came out in summer of last year, because as a dad of daughters, one of the things that I absolutely love doing is making s'mores with my kids. And so as I was coming out with a summer kind of seasonal scent 
that was something that mattered to me. And so when you ask me like, well, how do you come up with the themes or whatever? I mean, once I knew that that's what I wanted to make, I was searching for um, oils that could add that kind of marshmallow scent, that sweet scent, uh, a chocolate scent, a kind of graham scent, things that would make that. And then it's literally just you know, trial and error. Hey, is that a little too chocolatey? Yep. I don't smell the marshmallow. Okay. I got to pull back on that. And it's kind of one of those things where once you put it in, you can't take it out. So I'm going through all the time trying to find them. And then once I really believe that I've got something, I'll wear it for a little bit in my beard to see how it transitions. Fragrances do that. It's just like anything where you talk about top notes and base notes and things like that. There are some scents that will kind of go away as you wear it in your beard and other ones will stay one that will stay something like patchouli you could put a sweet scent on top of patchouli and the sweet scent may go that patchouli will stay all day you'll bring that you know your beard up to your nose and you'll you'll still smell it so it's very much like that like how do things kind of transition over time which ones will stay and how well do they play with each other i guess yeah that's one that i definitely can't can't get on board with patchouli or, or anything, uh, anything that's got a, 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 like a, an anise or a licorice type scent to it as well. Sure. Either one of those I can't do. And, um, I don't know. The patchouli was, I don't find it to be particularly present, uh, pleasant anyway, but, um, it was really ruined for me by a hippie girl that I dated in college and all of her hippie <laughs> friends and i just i just can't it's just not for killed me. it for you yeah the patchouli is not a favorite scent of mine either but your formula 420 um i tried that one even though patchouli is the top uh, scent on there just and yeah. it's not bad i mean for a scent that i don't like as a standalone scent the blend that you have in there is i, I didn't mind it at all yeah and and so that one uh that's one of the simplest ones i mean it's I don't cut the patchouli with anything. So that's straight patchouli. Uh, many times when people are using patchouli, uh, and that's just one fragrance, right? I don't have patchouli and everything lit. But most times when people are putting patchouli in, they don't just run straight patchouli. They cut it with several different things. And I think that can create, that can give patchouli like a bad rap. You know, it's like, oh, it's all patchouli then. It's like, well, it's contributing to it. It might be, drawing a little bit too much on that earthiness or whatever but you know it's kind of one of those things too where you think of like um you know through the context of bourbon people have different ways of producing their bourbon these different mashes stuff like that it's the same thing with a fragrance you can get 13 different patchouli oils they're gonna smell different you know and so another part of doing this is through that trial and error it's not just taking you know, if I'm making summer s'more, it's not just taking a chocolate, you know, fragrance, it's there's 17 different chocolates. So which kind, you know, which one is the one that I think best reflects what I think the chocolate should smell like, and then hoping that I can blend that correctly. Um, it's, it's a lot like that. So I'm, I think it's awesome that there's a fragrance that maybe isn't one that you hone in on but give it a shot and you're like, oh, okay, this is a little bit different than I thought. It can be like that too. But then too, Adam, like I totally get it. There's some fragrances I can't stand. And so if customers are like, oh, you got to make that, I can't even get behind it for myself. So it's going to be really difficult for me to come up with a blend that I like, including it. So it can be difficult 
Um, but overall, I think the things that matter to me, I like sweet scents. I don't go with the real earthy, um, musky stuff. Um, and I never make a scent that's like a teenage boy with Axe body spray. I do not make sense that you can smell across the room um, because I just don't, I, that's not my vibe, you know? And so if you're looking for one of those ones that is going to announce you when you're still driving to work, it's not going to be a lit scent, right? But if you want something that's going to be good for your beard, good for your skin, give you that pleasant scent is going to draw your special lady in a little bit closer. Hey man, <laughs> lit is what you want. Yeah, I can. I mean, I, I I'm I'm sitting here smoking a cigar, and I don't, uh, I don't, I don't smell it wafting up off of my beard. What I used earlier, but if I do like this, I can definitely smell the leather and the apple and and anything that um, anything that can outlast the scent of a cigar in beard hair. That's 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 a good product right there. That's for sure. So, well, I appreciate your support. So, uh, I'm getting thirsty, guys. Um, let's move on to the whiskey of the week, shall we? Sure. And I have a question for you. So I don't know. Um, I don't know how much you guys kind of like divulge on what becomes the bourbon of the week or how it's chosen. But you had reached out to me and said, "Hey, man, you know, you got anything in particular that you want to roll with or whatever?" And I had gotten this one because people had kind of explained to me that it was pretty good. I've never had it. Sounds like you're pretty familiar with it. You had it in your arsenal, stuff like that. What do you think of this one? Is it a solid one? Is it like a, yeah, I mean, it's out there. Like, what's your feedback on it? What am I about to experience? So Paul and I are... are and I'm not trying to hijack how you transition. No, no, so no, 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 no. It's, it's fine. Um, it's fine. Um, so how this one was chosen was strictly because this was your, what you said you wanted to go with. Yep. Um, generally yep. we just kind of, I mean, we send samples to one another or we, you know, we find something that we all have. I've got, I've been doing inventory on my, I've got a little app that I found the other day that I can do inventory with my phone. Um, I've inventoried two, two cabinets. So that's the contents on the inside of one, two cabinets. And then the, what's on the, on the top of one of the cabinets. And then uh three quarters of another cabinet and the reason i can say that is because i have there's three shelves on that so there's four different compartments i've inventoried three of those compartments i haven't done the bottom and i haven't done the the other part of the cabinet um so i guess it's i've, I've done three-fifths of that cabinet is a better way to put it and then i've got my whole bar here i've got a whole shelf right here um bam and then i've got all the ones on the shelves behind me um and then I've got a whole, uh, it's a China cabinet that's full and then it's full on the top as well. And then I've got a few down below. So I've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 or so bottles, uh, maybe, maybe wow. somewhere between three and 400. Paul's working on a number that's pretty close to that. If not more, it might be around that, maybe a little bit less. I'm not sure if he's done an inventory recently. I have um, not, I'm probably a little bit less than that, just due to spatial constraints sure um, a lot more i'd like to <laughs> unreal I don't know where to put it <laughs> and then uh jerry Jerry's, i mean that's fantastic yeah jerry's working on it so we we've been doing this for i mean i've been drinking bourbon since i was 19 um that's the first time i ever had jim beam and i got real sick and i 
shied away from Jim Beam for a while, and I moved on to the Wild Turkey One Hundred and One. I worked in a bar, um, and that's that's what it was for me as Wild Turkey One Hundred and One for a long time. Um, uh, a little while before COVID, I started uh, really exploring there, and I'd had most of them, but there's a lot that I hadn't, so I started to kind of move out um, from there. And and so the point of that is to say that sometimes we have bottles that overlap where we don't have to send samples. Um, Paul's mm. Paul sent us a fuck ton of samples that were things that I didn't have. Uh, I don't think Jerry had. I sent out a bunch of samples. I don't think either one of them had. And then Jerry, um, uh, Jer Jerry lives in Florida, so he's got access to a bunch of really good rums and stuff down there too. Um, he doesn't have access to as many um, of the like the 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 off the wall bourbons as I do because I live in Kentucky. Um, Paul's got yeah. access to some really good rye whiskeys because he lives in Maryland. Um, so that's you know okay. we, we'll we'll try to find something that's somewhere in there. Um, as as to this particular bourbon. Um, it, if you're in this this game long enough, you find a lot of people shit on this bourbon. They do. Um, they shit all over it. And I don't think that that is, um, I don't think that's warranted. Um, it's not the best bourbon that you're going to find. Um, but it's not the worst bourbon you're going to find either. And, you know, I'll, I'll admit that I am slightly biased because my best friend, um introduced me to this bourbon some years ago um and we've shared many bottles of this he doesn't drink anymore but um we shared many bottles of this and so there's a lot of uh almost memories or hazy memories that were made mm, while drinking sure, sure um i i also trained there uh very briefly um and uh I, so you know i've i've had my hand at actually making some of this stuff um, seeing how their distillery works um, and they're they're good people and I've got some some really good stuff here that cannot be found anywhere in the world but in my home um, that came from Willet so I do have somewhat of a biased opinion about it it is it so to be clear the price that you paid for the bottle is for the actual bottle okay um of course, you're buying the distillate. It's in the bottle. You're that's that's going to be factored in the price. But um, I bought this one for forty four dollars. Paul went out and got one today for fifty one ish. I'm not sure what you paid for yours. I'd venture a guess to say it was probably in that same neighborhood of fifty ish dollars. I think it was a little. I was going to say it was a little bit over sixty bucks. Was it really? Okay. Did you get you got yeah. the you got the the seven fifty right? Not the one seven five. Yeah. Or did you get the one seven five? Yeah, it's seven fifty. Yeah. 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 So, that's and and I would say that some of that has to do with state tax. I don't know what state tax is in Wisconsin. Is it six percent? Too, too much. <laughs> well, yeah. any tax is too much, right? Like if you're a, you know, yeah. like, I mean, uh, well, so what's interesting? Well, what's interesting too? Like I've got a buddy up here. He will drive down to Kentucky a couple times a year. He loves going on distillery tours, and he'll go down there with like wish lists and like travel around and you know get. I mean, he'll take lists for people and go down there and do that sort of stuff. Um, and it's always interesting what he finds. And to your point, you know, like you have a much better selection of what's made down there. When you come up here, you get what's left. I mean, if you're not there the days that things are delivered where people are picking like right there, it's like you're not getting it. You're just getting the general run of the mill, you know, stuff. This one, like I said, what really interested me the first time I saw it was the shape of the bottle. Mm -hmm. 
And then just talking to people and asking and trying different things and stuff like that. And they were like, yeah, I mean, it's solid. But other than my buddy, Jason, I don't know many people that really get super into um, the different bourbons up here. And so like, if you go to a, you know, a shop and stuff like that, you'll ask people and say like, what are you, you know, what are you looking for? Um, what's good? Um, they all kind of have their, uh, how would I say it? Like their own pick, mm-hmm. but you go to a liquor store, they'll say like, Hey, this is our, you know, this is our barrel pick. You know, we got this entire thing. You should try it. And like, this is where the only place you're going to find it. So I think you guys and your history and, you know, just where you're located gives you an opportunity to get them lower, mm-hmm. to get more selection, uh, to get them more consistently too. And up here, like, it's almost like you get what you get. Well, let's, let's be clear. Um, there is a lot to be said for those, those store picks. Um, there are a lot of those that are really, really fucking good. Um, I've for got, sure. so prime example, I've got a, a 15 year Knob Creek pick upstairs that a liquor store did here in Lexington and it's 120 proof. And it's phenomenal. I've been babying that bottle for three and a half years. I've got this much left in the bottle because there are no more. And the guy that picked them sold the store to somebody else. Now, I bought those bottles right around the time that Jim Beam came out with their own 15-year Knob Creek at 100 proof. And the price difference between the two was nearly $100. I think it was uh, at the time $70, $75. It was $50 for the store pick versus $75 or $125 for the uh, for the Knob Creek, uh, the, the Jim Beam release of 15 year. The taste difference is, it's exactly what you would expect it to be for it to be uh, 20 proof more. So you're talking about 10% more okay. alcohol or, you know, 10% less water, however you want to view that. But the, the fact of the matter is when it comes to bourbon, the more water that you add to something, the less flavor you're going to get out of it because it dilutes those fats. It dilutes the distillate itself. Um, it dilutes some of those compounds that are in there. And, and I, I would put that 15 year pick up against any bourbon in the world. And because it's, it's that good, put it this way. I had a George T stag that I got from that same gentleman. Um, I drank that entire bottle of George T. Stag, but I still have that teeny tiny bit of that of that Knob Creek 15 year that he picked himself because it, it's that fucking good. And um and I mean, so, so so don't sleep on those picks, but you know, something like this is you know, it's it's widely available. And before I knew so my, the very first distillery tour that I ever went on, it was for my bachelor party weekend. Um was Willet, and that's when I saw the pot still that they have there on on hand or on on premises, and that's when I made the connection of the shape of this bottle to that actual still. Whereas previously, um, I always likened it to the bottle for my dream of genie, because that's what it looks like to me. Um, and uh, right. you know, so there, there's a lot of different things that this bottle calls out, like childhood memories for my dream of genie. Um, my first distillery tour that I went on with my best friend and and some, my my older cousin, a couple other really really good friends of mine. Um, one of them is uh, it's it's my wife's best friend's wife. Um, they're uh, 
She she'll she'll tell you I'm the only man in the world that she will say that she will call her husband. She's she's a, a lesbian woman. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm the only man in the world that she'll call her husband. I love her um, with all of my heart. So that was that was a, a great memory um, going on that tour. Um, getting that training there was was really fucking cool. It was an hour drive there, an hour drive back. I was there for a week and it was worth every minute. Um, and then, you know, there, there's a lot of really cool things that I have to uh, attach to this bottle. But the, the juice that's inside of it is not necessarily the best thing that Willet produces. Um, I don't hate it. I'm not going to shit on it like a lot of people do. Um, you know, it, it's not necessarily my favorite to drink straight, but it's not my least favorite either. You could mix this and, 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 um, it'll be, it, you know, it, it'll be just fine in a, in an old fashioned or a Manhattan or, or anything like that. And I'm sure that Paul probably has a fairly similar opinion. Yeah. Um, traditionally in the past, um, like you said, this bourbon, is on everybody's list of just overpriced and not good liquid in a bottle. But um, they've gone through some changes. Um, I believe it was 2021. 20, I think they switched to an all weeded mash bill kind of behind the scenes. There's not a lot of people, you know, talking about it. They didn't put out a press release or anything like that, but it's pretty widely accepted that the mash bill now for this pot still is 65, 2015. Um, so there's a higher wheat content in it. Um, I did not like this in the past, um, but when, Adam told me this is one that you wanted to try on the show. I figured it was a perfect one because for the poor, for the, the weekly whiskey that we want to highlight, it's, we want to have something that is pretty readily accessible to everyone. We don't want to have some store pick that just Jerry found in Florida and sent us samples because then we're talking about something that nobody can get their hands on. So I figured this was a perfect bottle. I'd go grab one to revisit it because of the changes that I heard that they made in the whiskey since years ago when I'd had it before that I did not particularly care for it. Some of that is still there for me on the taste. Um, it tastes a little bit, I mean, honey is the first note that I get, I think, which is nice. I don't remember getting that in the past. Um, it's still a little bit grainy, a little bit woodsy, earthy, but the honey kind of pops out, which is really nice. Um, it finishes pretty nice. There's maybe a little hint of cinnamon on the finish, um, kind of a short finish, but overall, it's. I mean, it doesn't, if anybody thinks they don't like it and they didn't like it in the past, I just recommend go revisiting it because I do think that it has changed. Um, and how they, what, what they're putting in the bottle is definitely different than what they were putting in the bottle pre 2021. So yeah, I mean, it's a great bottle. Like we talked about the the shape of it. it's cool. It looks great on the bar. I'm sure bartenders hate it. Um, but the bottle looks cool on, you know, on your shelf and, um, no, it's, it's not bad at all. Um, it's probably without that bottle, it should be priced accurately about 35 bucks. But like you said, you are paying up for the bottle shape and um, makes a cool gift. I mean, it's a great gift bottle um, just for the cool shape of it. But um, what do you think of it? Have you got into it yet? So, I'm going to, I'm going to take a sip of it right now. And when I'm sipping, I wanted to ask you guys. So you had just called out um, wanting to get stuff that like everybody can find, you know, stuff that's not so exotic that it's just like a one in a million. So if, if somebody was going to the store today and they were going to go try bourbon or wanted to get something good quality that you can walk in basically anywhere and get, what would you guys be suggesting? Oh, Knob Creek's right up there. Um, Wild Turkey 101. Mm -hmm. Old Forester uh, 100. Just stick with the stick with the big names. Um, if you're going to take a bottle to a party or something like that and a bottle to share um, for the price point for those two bottles in particular, 
um, you can, you're not going to like, you know, grit your teeth when you see somebody grab your bottle and mix it with diet Coke or something like that. So sure. those are, those are good ones. Um, I'm a big Jim Beam fan. So Jim Beam black label is one of my go-tos. You can drink it straight. You can drink it cold. You can drink it mixed. Um, that's a great go-to one. Um, but as with and all other products that we're talking about here today, check out your local stuff. I mean, everybody's got local distilleries and a lot of those are making excellent, excellent whiskey. And um, I, I like to push and get everybody out there to those small guys. And you're going to find some that, you know, just aren't doing it right. And it's crap and it's overpriced, but those tend to be few and far between and they don't, they don't keep their doors open long. So the ones that are local to you and have been around for, you know, more than a year, they're probably making some fantastic stuff and probably not a lot of people know about it. And that's the kind of stuff that I tend to tell people if you're, if you're getting into it, you know, stick with the majors, go to the local liquor store, grab something around a hundred proof or so. Um, that way, if you do want to mix it, it'll still stand up. Um, I think if you're making anything other than like an old fashioned or something, you want to at least have a hundred proof. I wouldn't recommend doing a whiskey and Coke with 80 proof. Um, it just kind of fades away and you're, you know, um, but yeah, I'd say stick to the big guys, get with their stuff, but then shop local, check out your local stuff. Uh, most of the times they're yeah. more than willing to give you a tour on the spot, show you, let you test some stuff, taste some stuff right out of the barrel. So it can be sometimes a, the better distillery tours or, you know, that kind of thing. I've been on are the little tiny guys um, then going through the, just the monotonous, this is what makes a bourbon, you know, this, you yeah, know, that kind of thing sure. that you go on the big mm -hmm. doors, you know? Yeah. They actually so here, I mean, here in Wisconsin, we're all, you know, beer, you know, like it's basically, I mean, damn, I mean, that's like our entire state culture is basically beer, cheese, sausage, and Packers and stuff. Right. Damn. German. But up here for bourbons, Jay Henry, and Driftless Glen. I don't know if you guys are familiar with either of those. Um, yep. Had both I of those. Really dig Jay it. Um, yeah. So, like, the first time I ever had that, I went in and I, uh, just the local liquor store here. And I was like, I'm looking for a good Wisconsin bourbon. Like, what what should I be getting? And, like, that's literally what he walked me to. He's like, this one just walked right up, grabbed it off of the shelf. And he's like, this, you're not going to go wrong with it. Just roll. Um, and I liked that one a lot. I mean, you guys will forget more about bourbon than I'll ever know. Um, I mean, just listening to you guys just discuss what you should walk in and get. And if you're going to make a cocktail versus drink it, you know, straight. I mean, you guys would be the the sorts of guys that if I was going on a distillery tour, I'd be like, how do I keep myself out of trouble? You know, like, what do I find? What do I spend my money on? What, you know, what's going to be good, you know, impress people, but at the same time, like give them a great experience when they're drinking it. So I appreciate that feedback too. And that's interesting that you guys basically down there in Kentucky where you're drowning in bourbon are familiar too with ones made here in Wisconsin, you know, like that those reputations of Driftless and Jay Henry or something that's making its way down to you guys. Yeah. And I'm a big rye fan. And one of my, one of my favorite ryes that I've had in the past couple of years is limousine rye, which is dancing goat, which is out of Cambridge, Wisconsin. So I'd say you're okay. up there, check that out too. They make a fantastic rye. Nice. Okay. I'll definitely check that. And what's interesting about rye, I had a buddy, Dan, he would always keep his rye in the freezer. And I was like, oh, no kidding. He's like, dude, the colder, the better. And it would be almost like syrupy when you take it. And so now anytime that I get a bottle of rye, the last one that I just finished was like a whistle pig. Uh, but just keep it, keep it right there in the freezer and you're taking it out and just, it looks like it's almost 
a little thicker coming out, but man, it really brings a lot of flavor out when you're drinking it ice, ice, ice cold like that. I really dig it. Yep. And especially if you're planning on making old fashions or cocktails with a certain bottle, keep that in the fridge, you get sure. less ice melt and that kind of thing. So yeah, no, I always have at least one bottle in the fridge for those kind of things. In the fridge or in the freezer? Just in the fridge. I mean, either way, um, oh, okay. freezer, I'm sure it's okay. going to thicken up a little bit more, but um, that's the, the thing I hate the most about making old fashioned. And, you know, you pour in, put your big ice cube in there and then you pour your whiskey in and you can see that ice cubes already gone down like 15% and you're like, ah, didn't even yeah. take a sip yet <laughs> so yep. yeah i feel you but yeah so yeah interested to see what you think about this one yeah and there's, well, um, there's so I'm, I'm sorry not to interrupt but uh keeping you know, uh keeping with the, the the veteran theme uh there are a couple uh well, not a couple there's more than a couple but uh veteran owned distilleries that you that i would recommend as well horse soldier 10th mountain we're gonna have um one of the guys on from 10th mountain for the um for the uh Oh shit! Um, what's coming up? <laughs> Veterans Day. Veterans Day. For Veterans the Veterans Day? Day episode. I I can't believe I blanked on that. For the Veterans Day episode, we're gonna have him on. Um, you know, there's and then there's there's some others out there. That uh, my point is is to uh, lend a little bit more to Paul's point. The 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 smaller guys they tend to give a shit about what's going into their distillate. You know, a lot of a lot of the bigger ones do too. You know, you've got. You got the Jim Beams, you know uh, Fred. No, he's what uh, seventh or eighth generation uh, Beam. There, you know his, his grandfather or his great grandfather was Jim Beam. Um, his his father was Booker No. Um, if you've ever heard of, heard of Booker's, that was that that's named after Booker. Um, Booker created Knob Creek. Um, those guys, they obviously give a shit. That's their family, you know. But you've got you've got others that are. Um, that are taken over, um, you know, and it's kind of a corporate structure and things like that. Not to say that they don't give a shit, but they don't give a shit in the same way that a craft distillery with somebody that has taken their entire life savings and put it into this business. C kind of like the way that, that you've, you put everything yeah. that you have into lit. So um, they yeah. really do care about what's going on with their product. And a lot of them are, are, are absolutely fantastic. And, it's great that we're in that kind of um, in that kind of in environment, I guess, uh, as far as bourbons go. And the same can be said for beard products. Now there's a lot of uh, uh, great producers out there that make great products. And, and that's what you want. You don't want to spend your money on bullshit. You don't want to spend your money on something that uh, that uh, you don't want to put on your face or into your hair, which is why we like lit so much. You yeah. don't want to yeah. run out and, and, and spend 40 or $50 on a bottle and get it home and be like, this is shit. I, I bought a bottle yeah, and it's from a craft distillery. And I hate to say, I'm not going to say it on, on the, the, the show um, because they've come out with some other products that I haven't tried that I, I, I want to try, but I bought this bottle and the bottle was really cool. Um, we can talk about it when we're not recording so that you know, to avoid that particular one, but the, the bottle's really damn cool. It's produced here in Kentucky and it was, it was, it, it tasted like alcohol soaked banana bread, which is not up my alley. So when I got COVID and couldn't taste anything or smell anything, that's the one that I drank in my hot toddy. So I could get the damn bottle off my shelf. Um, it was, yeah. it was just bad. And, and I'm sure that their other stuff is better, but there, you know, there are those out there and that's not to say that they're not giving a shit. They're not, 
putting putting their best foot forward. It's just sometimes it doesn't work out. And and but still, you know, um, there's a lot of really good stuff out there. So to Paul's point, definitely check out the smaller distillers. I'm sure that there's I've had Driftless Blend. You know, there that's some good stuff. That's some really good stuff. I really yeah. like that stuff. Um, I've had you know, and I think I think a point that you make too about um, the smaller craft guys, or even like in the beard side, you know, like you say, like giving a shit. Bourbon has exploded. I mean, I'm not telling anything you guys don't know. The last several years, I mean, bourbon has just gone off the the shelf, literally, right? Like, there are some like up here. I mean, the only distillery I've ever been to is Buffalo Trace, right? And so anything Buffalo Trace is basically like non-existent you can't even just get straight up buffalo trace bourbon up here let alone here. any of the i live yeah. 40, i live 40 yeah. minutes from the distillery you can't get it yeah i mean like literally you cannot and anything that's coming from that distillery is very difficult like i see eagle rare up there behind i remember seeing that on end cap one time they had five bottles and it was like you're running in slow motion you know, like, or it's like slow motion and like, there's five other dudes because it's just super competitive. So what's interesting is like, maybe people just jump on to that, you know, and they're like, shit, you just make any bourbon and it's going to be, you know, a hot seller or whatever. And I feel that way a little bit with beard products as well, that because the market has grown and awareness is like, I think more businesses out there, the better I, I'm not, you know, kind of turned off by the competition but i do feel like sometimes people just hey if we make a beard product it's gonna sell and they don't put a lot of energy emphasis or even passion behind it uh let alone something that's lasted the test of time and been handed down generations and maybe you just kind of lose that connection to the you know the founders the you know the the creators but yeah i mean i'll definitely be on the lookout when we're done here you know, shoot me a list or let me know which ones to be on the lookout for pro and con. Um, and it's interesting because I think that people, when they create something, it's like, they want to see it be successful, not just because they put their blood, sweat and tears in it, but because like, it matters to them. It matters to them. It matters that this thing that they created, that's why I said every cent, it's like a kid, you know, like I, it matters to me. And I know that you're not going to win over everybody with it, but you want to see it be successful because it's you, it's your work, it's your time. It's, 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 I'm not playing catch with my kids because I'm creating, I'm not, you know, going to dinner with my family or something because I'm creating, like you want to see that come through. And I think the farther you get away from the people that have created it, the harder it is to find that connection and that passion in it, you know? So I think that it's awesome that that's something that you guys even value and what it is that you're looking for in businesses that you're looking for things like that, not just a good taste or a cool bottle or a cool label, but even like that connection back to the founders, how much that really matters to you. Well, as far as this bottle goes, you asked me what I think about it. And um, yeah, I'm going to put this up here so people can hear. Yeah, I know what you're saying. That's me pouring another bottle or another glass. Um, it's got a horrible pour too. I mean, it's a cool bottle, but that pour is just a glug, glug, glug. Yeah, it is. I, I kind of like it, honestly. Um, but, uh, you know, I, clearly I don't hate it. Um, it's, um, and this, I've had this one, I don't know. I think I bought this one during COVID. So this one would be one of the, some of the older recipe. And it's, it's worth noting that um, it's believed 
I don't know this for a fact, but it's believed that the distillate in this bottle was produced at a different distillery. And as of 2020, all of the pot still is produced in-house. And I know that at least some of it is because I had a hand in, in producing some of it. That and Because it's um, you can go into the, the distiller's break room and actually see what's being made that day. They write it on a whiteboard and they write out the recipe. So then that way you know exactly because... When, you know, when you're, when you're loading grain into the cookers, you walk up onto a, a grate and you yank a lever and you, there's a counter that shows you how many pounds. Cause you, you, you know, the, the, the percentage, and then you have to figure out in poundage exactly what's going in. So, um, you know, I've, I've, I've had a hand in making the pot still and some of the Johnny drum, um, a little bit of the Willett family estate rye, which, which I actually really, really like, um, the Willett family estate rye is pretty, pretty damn, pretty damn tasty. Um, you can find that, you can find that on the shelves here at Kroger for, you know, 60 bucks, something like that. Do you have Kroger in Wisconsin? Uh, not around where I am. No. Okay. Um, yeah, you, can, you can find that family estate around me now more and more. I'm seeing it sitting on the shelves, in the years past, it was almost allocated. I mean, it was, you had to grab it right when it showed up to the store if it wasn't on allocation. So I'm glad they're being, they're putting out more. I mean, cause they, I mean, Willa didn't start distilling until what, 2012, right? So yeah, um, that's why I think it's widely accepted that this was definitely Heaven Hill juice in this um, pot still until about 2016. Cause mm -hmm. it's the four year they probably started mixing their own from 2016 to I think to like 2020. It was probably a lot of Heaven Hill and a little bit of Willet. And then 2020 is, I think, when they made the transition to all of their own distillate. But then I know somewhere in tw late 2021 is when they switched over to the different recipe. And that's what I have now. I have a brand new bottle. It's 23C14. Um, not sure what the C14 means, but I know the 23 is the year um, on the, the neck of the bottle. Um, so I know this is one of the newer ones. And yeah, I've had just had my second pour and it's kind of growing on me. It's like it's definitely a. If it was priced a little bit better, it would be an everyday go-to kind of, you know, just have a pour when you're sitting on the porch type of deal. Um, I really like the honey um, as it opens up that, I mean, it's more and more and more with that honey note for me. And I do like that a lot. Um, it will be up on that sticker on the collar, like up on the top where your hand is, Anthony, yeah. if you're looking for it, unless you yeah. peel that off. A lot of times that gets ripped I think off I when you open it. Yeah, I think I peeled that part off and I was yeah. looking to see if I kept that part of the... I don't think I did. I was looking to see. Yeah. But yeah, I fat handed it, man. I just peeled that thing right off and was looking yep. to pop that. Yeah. I, I, so wrote I, don't down have that my, detail. I wrote down my batch before I did that. Cause it definitely rips right away. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of what we think. Interesting to see what you think. So for me, like, I don't have the experience that you guys have, right? Like you guys are hitting on, I mean, details that, holy shit you know i mean it's crazy um to me if somebody served this up to me i'd say like okay yeah great you know thank you um so i've had a couple sips out of it um it's not one of those cheap ones that you know you're 19 years old and you're just hey whatever i can get into a liquor store and they're not going to card me just get whatever and let's get the hell out of here it's not one of those that's going to burn you all the way down um I've definitely had ones that are smoother for sure. And when I say smooth, 
from somebody who's like a novice to bourbon, smooth to me means it tastes good on my lips, on my tongue, and all the way down. That's what she said. Um, but it's it's not burning you. It's not making you go, you know. I'm not feeling that, but it's also like there's some burn that is not like wanted, if that makes sense. Um, it's not bad. I don't think it tastes bad. It's just not as smooth as other ones that I've had. To me, like if I was going to drink this, like how would I describe it? To me, it smells and tastes like sterile. Does that make sense? Like it doesn't have a lot of, like you were mentioning like honey and stuff like that. To me, there's not a whole lot of like flavors that I sense from it. Now, granted, it's been uh, it's been a few years, but I chewed tobacco for a really long time. And people would tell me like, hey, chew is going to kill everything. It's going to kill your palate and stuff like that. Now it's been several years since I quit. Um, but I was a can a day dipper for a long time. And when I was in Iraq, shit, man, a can was a breath freshener, man. I was two, three cans a day, you know, depending on where I could get it. Um, but to me, there's not a whole lot of flavor to it. It's not bad. Like I said, it's not one of those burners all the way down. Uh, but to me, it's kind of sterile. There isn't a whole lot to it. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those ones that I should have thrown an ice cube in to open it up a little bit or something. I don't know. But to me, I mean, it's just fine. There's nothing that's going to make me be like, hell no to it. But there's nothing that if somebody said, hey, check it out, or I'd be like dropping everything to run to it either. Yeah. I hope that's a fair assessment. No, yeah. I think you're right there with aligned with what I kind of think. Um, it's 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 good. It's not bad. It's not great. It's it's good. You know, and um, an ice cube may change it. Um, it's a little bit, it's 94 proof. So, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, be hesitant to put so, a whole ice cube in there, you know, and let it dilute, maybe yeah. swirl an ice cube and then pull it back out, you know, um, so it doesn't water it down because I'd really like to try this at like 115, 120, um, before they cut it. I think that would be interesting to try because nah, it's, it's got, it's, it's got some notes to it that are kind of peaking there, you know, in and out when I taste it, that. I think at a higher proof may be fantastic. So I'd I can speak to that and it is fucking fantastic straight out of the steel. Hell yes. I've because part, part of, part of the training was, um, you know, you got to take notes, right. And so you gotta, you gotta see what it's coming out of the high wines box at, and then you gotta go way the fuck up. And uh, like, you almost feel like you're in a, a, a an assassin's creed game. Cause you got to climb way the fuck up there. <laughs> And uh, go get it out of the, or you got to get it out of the low wines box, which is down at the bottom. You got to go way up to the top, get out of the high wines, and you got to test the proof on so, it. And they, you know, they don't care if you, you know, try it out to see to, to because you yeah. have quality control. And and that's you know, you say that almost tongue in cheek, but it's not. It's it's honestly, it's quality control to make sure it tastes good. And it does. It tastes really fucking good right out of the still. It tastes really good. So and that's. I, so I think let me ask you guys, like. Brands. If you're you're at a liquor store, you're in a grocery store or whatever, and you see somebody standing there in front of bourbon and they got their cell phone out and they're looking and they're like, do you guys ever approach them and try to be like, hey, man, what you looking into? Like, sure. do you guys ever engage with them or like, so if you saw somebody looking around or whatever, 
uh, like you had mentioned, like, hey, try your locals, you know, don't be dissuaded by barrel picks and stuff like that. But if you saw somebody in the liquor store at your Kroger and they're sitting there with their cell phone, what are you walking up to them and being like, hey, man, are you going to drink it straight or are you going to put it in a cocktail? Then what are you telling them? Like, hey, go ahead. I'm your cell phone for the day. Here you go. This is what this is what you need to have, buddy. Like, what are you pulling for them? So before I answer that, let me preface. Let, let me let me let me. Let me answer a question with a question directed at Paul. Paul, are you also a uh, bourbon steward? 